0: Welcome to another Inside Lyme podcast with Dr. Daniel Cameron. Tonight, Dr. Cameron will be discussing the case of a 46-year-old Lyme disease patient who was left with tinnitus and hearing loss. The case was discussed in the journal Frontiers in Neurology. Thank you, Dr. Cameron, for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about how this um, patient initially presented?
1: We first see a 46-year-old male farmer and he was hospitalized because he had so many problems. He had a, a sudden onset of tinnitus, which is ear ringing. He had hearing loss in the left ear. Also, he had dizziness, balance problems, and gait ataxia. Now, gait ataxia is a condition where there's poor coordination of muscle movements. Gait ataxia, can be quite disturbing, and people can fall or have a hard time uh, walking. The doctors thought these set of symptoms would be a classic acoustic neuroma, which is a problem with the eighth nerve, the eighth cranial nerve. It's also called vestibular swanoma, and they did diagnostic testing, but they weren't able to actually find acoustic neuroma.
0: Now, the next set of tests they had performed were for actually testing for Lyme disease. Why were they initiating those tests?
1: In medicine, there's often another cause. They went ahead and included a spinal tap, and a spinal tap was positive for Lyme disease. That's what triggered them to start treatment with oral doxycycline for three weeks. The problem of dizziness and gait problems persisted. Uh, which is, uh, was a problem for someone like this. So they decided that they should refer them to a balanced disorder unit for a vestibular evaluation.
0: What were the test results uh, at the balance disorders clinic?
1: Well, at the balance disorder unit, they found, yes, they had gait problems, imbalance problems. They did audiology testing. So instead of just the sensation of hearing loss, they had sensory neural hearing loss in both ears. So this program started vestibular rehabilitation for 10 days, which improved the balance, but his hearing loss and tinnitus remained.
0: But there was no further treatment, correct?
1: Well, the antibiotic therapy was not successful in decreasing the hearing loss or the tinnitus and they suggested there might be permanent damage to the hearing nerve and cochlea. Now, that's a concern because if you're treating someone for Lyme disease confirmed by a spinal tap, I'm concerned that they haven't cleared the infection. Even though some authors are um, reluctant to admit there might be a persistent infection, there are some uh, studies that show persistent infection and there's value beyond three weeks. In this case, I might've very well continued oral therapy. I might've looked for co-infections, which are other infections in a tick. And lastly, there are cases where the spirochete from Lyme disease gets into the brain. They call it a blood brain barrier if someone continued to have hearing loss and tinnitus, I would have likely uh, proceeded with intravenous rocephin, also called intravenous ceftriaxone, to see if I could resolve this hearing loss or tinnitus. But there was no mention in the article that they might have uh, considered treating longer than three weeks of doxycycline. In this case, we don't get the opportunity to uh, know what would have been the answer if they had gone ahead with further antibiotic treatment.
0: Now, do you often see um, hearing loss or balance problems, gait disturbances in your Lyme disease patients?
1: It's very common to have hearing loss of the type they're describing, which is sensory neural hearing loss. It's also very common to have um, abnormal sensations, uh, whether it's a in the ears, whether vision has disturbances. uh, There's also other sensory issues like numbness and tingling in the hands, uh, feet. Sometimes you get tingling in, in the face. And so with all these sensory problems you see with Lyme disease, I see them in my practice and often they get better with antibiotic treatment.
0: How about gait disturbances? Because I know you've had patients that have have been so severely affected, right? They've actually been in in wheelchairs or required wheelchairs.
1: There's quite a few different types of uh, gait disturbances. So uh, I have um, over time uh, seen people uh, have to be in a wheelchair and uh, sometimes they have to have people help them, but it's it's kind of a mixed bag. Sometimes it's a uh, because their foot shake, 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 or they have a choreiform type movement. They have uh, all kinds of gait problems. I don't really see ataxia so much, uh, but I'm not a neurologist. So the neurologist may see some ataxia issues. Um, sometimes I'm concerned that if a doctor sees ataxia, they, they don't think about Lyme, they think about some other neurologic condition. It's just fortunate because this patient had an abnormal spirotap that they decided that Lyme disease could be a part of the problem and they elected to treat.
0: You treat patients um, with lots of different tick-borne diseases, not just Lyme. Have, have you seen um, these symptoms more prevalent in certain tick-borne diseases than others or, or can you not make the distinction really?
1: People often have more than one infection. So even if they have Lyme disease, They might have anaplasmosis with it, Babesia, which is a parasite. Some people seem to test positive for Bartonella. And so it's pretty hard for me to know exactly which spirochete or which co-infection is causing the symptoms. In this case, uh, it's uh, likely Lyme is a part of it because of the abnormal spinal tap, but there could have been one of the other tick-borne infections that was part of the issue.
0: It would treatment typically be longer for individuals with these symptoms that seems so, so much more severe than your flu-like symptoms?
1: I typically treat based on clinical response. If someone's still sick at a month, I'll extend the therapy or I'll change therapy or use combination therapy uh, because I don't like to leave um, someone like this uh, with the potential for a persistent infection. I follow them really closely to uh, determine the response to therapy. And what I usually do is if there's still problems, I'll see that they see a neurologist again, uh, ear, nose and throat again.
0: Now there are other cases involving hearing loss um, associated with Lyme disease and tick-borne illnesses that you've written in your blogs. Can you talk a little bit about um, the one study at Tufts University?
1: there was an article that came out of the New England Journal of Medicine from Tufts University. And that's where they described 27 patients with what they call chronic neurologic Lyme disease. They had been sick for up to 14 years. There was a encephalopathy and neuropathy. But in that same article, four of the 27 patients had hearing loss and tinnitus. Now, even though that article focused on the role of intravenous antibiotics for neurologic Lyme, they didn't actually describe what happened to the hearing loss and a tinnitus that four of these patients had. I was hungry for more information. Now, 30 years later, we're still uh, in the dark as to what's happening with hearing and what's wrong with tinnitus. And, uh, and I'm also f- concerned with people who have gait problems. It'd be nice to have a somebody that really understands gait.
0: And this uh, this manifestation of, of Lyme disease isn't just seen in the U.S., right? Another another study you wrote about on your blog was out of Poland.
1: In this uh, paper, they did what what I like, is they looked at how often there's ear, nose, and throat problems in patients with tick-borne diseases. So they had 216 patients with tick-borne diseases, and by looking carefully, 162, over half, had uh, problems with ear, nose, and throat symptoms. And they detailed in that paper that three out of four had tinnitus, nearly half had vertigo and dizziness, 39% had headaches, about 17% had unilateral sensory neural hearing loss.
0: What would you say the takeaway message or the learning point is from this case study?
1: Well, I think so often doctors pay attention to key issues like a rash, a swollen knee, um, heart block. Sometimes they worry about neurologic issues, but the whole sensory system is involved in Lyme disease, whether it's a hearing, vision, touch, heat, cold, numbness, and tingling. And so this is a reminder how easy it is uh, to um, present with these kinds of problems and uh, get overlooked. The good news, this one had a s- abnormal spinal tap. I'm concerned with, with people who have uh, a normal spinal tap or they don't do the spinal tap or the blood tests are negative for Lyme. I'm also concerned with those who have acoustic neuroma because ticks don't care who they bite. So if you had acoustic neuroma case and Lyme disease, it's important to break it down. What is actually happening to that patient? Uh, how sick are they? I would imagine this particular patient had other problems than what was discussed here. Uh, if you asked, they probably would have had fatigue, poor sleep, poor concentration, head pressure, and uh, lightheadedness. Uh, would have been nice to ask those broader questions. Pre-weeks of doccycline is certainly not what I would consider appropriate for this particular patient, especially when they had uh, lingering problems.
0: Well, thank you, Dr. Cameron, again, for talking about this important topic. And we look forward to more Inside Line podcasts.